Hi there, and welcome to our Ask the Pastor podcast, a segment of the West Hills Church podcast here in beautiful St. Louis, Missouri. I am uh, this week your host and pastor, uh, Pastor Will Duvall, and I'm standing in for our usual host, Allie Keaton, as we're sort of in a in-between phase here. Um, We actually just this morning helped uh, Thad Yessa, our new uh, pastor of youth and connections and media, move into uh, his house here in St. Louis. And so we're so excited to have Thad uh, officially on staff starting this Monday. And so um, we will be handing over uh, hosting of the podcast to Thad here soon and uh, freeing up Allie to get back to what she loves most, um, kids ministry and all things uh, discipleship with kids and families. And so um, I am standing in with a special episode of sorts uh, this particular week, and I'm excited to dive in, so let's get to it. This week's question comes to us from an anonymous church attendee who asks, Pastor Will, can you explain why I should be a member of a local church? Is church membership even a biblical concept. I can't seem to find it anywhere in the New Testament, and I know many churches today are moving away from the old model of church membership. Moreover, if I already attend regularly and faithfully volunteer my time and give financially, then what practical difference does it make if I'm a member anyway? Well, for starters, I appreciate the question. It's a great question, and it's a timely question since uh, we actually just held our first membership class um, here at West Hills in, well, quite some time. Um, We used to actually include membership as a portion of our five-week, five-part entry point series, and uh, when I took over here seven months or so ago, um, we kind of made a shift there and separated those two out and went to um, an, a model where Entry Point, our Welcome to West Hills class, would be just a one-week standalone for, for new attendees and visitors, and then membership would be uh, really more geared towards people who'd been here longer so that we're not you know, proposing to you on a first date, so to speak. So, And that's actually probably a good way to start to think about membership and what it is. So let's, let's, let's dive into that before we even kind of discuss uh, whether or not membership is biblical. Let's try and get to a little bit of, um, of a definition of what it is. And to help us with that, I'm going to use uh, this really helpful, maybe I can link uh, in the show notes today, um, little booklet from Nine Marks. If you're not familiar, Nine Marks is uh, sort of the church uh, resourcing tool out there in the church world um, for all things, especially um, church membership, but they're all about building uh, healthy churches, and um, so there's nine marks that Mark Dever has identified that, that go into making up a healthy church, and one of them is membership, um, a healthy understanding of, of church membership. And so uh, this this little booklet's called Committing to One Another, Church Membership. I want to read um, from Jonathan Lehman uh, how he defines what membership is so we can start to drill down to where we f- see it in Scripture. Um, church membership is a covenant of union between a particular church and a Christian, a covenant that consists of the church's affirmation of that Christian's gospel profession, the church's promise to give oversight to the Christian, 
and the Christians promise to gather with the church and submit to its oversight. So uh, we, we could drill down, and Jonathan Lehman does in, in his helpful book on church membership as a part of the Nine Mark series, but let me just pull out this paragraph in particular from, uh, again, Mark Dever, who is the founder of, of Nine Marks, um, and this is sort of how he describes church membership. The practice of church membership among Christians occurs when Christians grasp hold of each other in responsibility and love. By identifying ourselves with a particular local church, we are telling the church's pastors and other members uh, not just that we commit to them, but that we commit to them in gathering, giving, prayer, and service. We are telling them to expect certain things from us and to hold us accountable if we don't follow through. Joining a church is an act of saying, I am now your responsibility and you are my responsibility. And Dever says, yes, this is countercultural. Even more, it's counter to our sinful natures. And so we need membership as a check on our sinful natures. Biblical membership means taking responsibility. It comes from our mutual obligations as spelled out in all of Scripture's one another passages. Love one another, serve one another, encourage one another. And all, all the other 44 times that we find that phrase, one another, with a command found in the New Testament. All these commands should be encapsulated in the covenant of a healthy church. So I think in, in a word, that is probably the easiest way to kind of understand what church membership is. It is responsibility. And um, it's saying that we want to be responsible for one another in uh, this family of faith, in God's family. And it is a covenant, as both Lehman and uh, Dever kind of use that word there too. And we don't use that word lightly. We know biblically uh, that's a strong word. Um, it's a it's a binding word. You know, the first time we sort of see that showing up in Genesis 12 is when God cuts a covenant with Abraham. The the Hebrew verb berit is literally to you know to to cut uh, in half. And so we get this picture of God cutting an animal in half and walking through the the blood path and as sort of a, a binding commitment uh, to to Abraham and and to to bless him as the father of many nations. And so uh, we don't take that word covenant lightly. You know, we talk uh, about the covenant of marriage today. And I just got done, again, this this podcast is coming on the tail ends of a two-part kind of mini-series on divorce and from Mark uh, 10, where um, we, we looked at just how weighty and significant um, the covenant of marriage is. Uh, the covenant of church membership is and should be weighty and, and heavy. And so let's discuss it a little bit. I mean, why why should we uh, even, even consider this idea of church membership, though? Um, is it a biblical concept for us as a church? You know, we want to ground everything that we do in Scripture. And so at the end of the day, um, if, if membership is mandated is 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 an ordinance a command of of jesus or or the new testament uh, anywhere in scripture then uh, we want to be a church that takes church membership seriously if it's not there if it's not a biblical concept then um at best we're going to hold it with a with a pretty loose hand open hand so um i want to turn back again to this little uh booklet and and again the words of mark dever um, to, to begin to answer that question of, is church membership a biblical idea? And here's how Dever answers it. In one sense, no. 
He says, open up the New Testament and you won't find a story about, say, Priscilla and Aquila moving to the city of Rome, checking out one church, then another, and finally deciding to join a third. From what we can tell, uh, nobody went church shopping in the first century because there was only one church in each community. So in that sense, you won't find a list of church members in the New Testament. But the churches of the New Testament apparently kept lists of people such as the list of widows supported by the church in 1 Timothy 5. More significantly, a number of passages in the New Testament suggest that churches did have some way of delineating between their members. They knew who belonged to their assemblies and who did not. For instance, on one occasion, a man in the Corinthian church who was living in immorality uh, that does not occur even among the pagans, 1 Corinthians 5.1, Paul uh, wrote the Corinthians and told them to exclude this man from their assembly. Now, Stop and think about this, Dever says. You cannot formally exclude someone if he is not formally included in the first place. So Paul appears to refer to this same man in a subsequent letter to the Corinthians by referring to the, quote, punishment inflicted on him by the majority, 2 Corinthians 2.6. Now stop and think again. You can only have a majority if there is a defined group of people, in this case, a defined church membership. Paul cared who was in and who was out. He cared because the Lord Jesus himself had granted churches the authority to draw a line as best they humanly can around themselves to mark themselves off from the world. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Matthew 18, 18, Jesus said. And so healthy churches, we have said, are congregations that increasingly reflect the character of God. Therefore, we want our earthly records to approximate as much as possible heaven's own records, those names recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life, uh, Philippians 4.3, Revelation 21.27. A healthy church aspires to receive and to dismiss individuals professing faith just as the New Testament authors instruct. That is, it aspires to have a biblical understanding of membership. A temple has bricks, a flock has sheep, a vine has branches, and a body has members. And that is exactly, uh, this is Pastor Will now, uh, weighing in on what we've just heard from Dever. That's exactly the driving metaphor that Christ and that Scripture and Paul, you know, use for the church over and over again uh, in the New Testament is a body. We are the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12. And 1 Corinthians 12 um, explicitly uses that language of members. As a body has members, uh, so too the body of Christ has many members making it up. And we're all important to play our role. And that's a good segue to sort of transition into um, even more of the explicit sort of things that we find in Scripture uh, about membership. As as Dever pointed us to there, um, is church membership as such an explicitly biblical idea. Maybe not, as he said, in one sense, maybe not. But, you know, some of the most foundational, important concepts in all of our our faith are not explicit in Scripture. You won't find the word Trinity anywhere in Scripture, and yet uh, none of us, uh, you know, Bible-believing Christians would deny the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, it's, it's essential to our understanding of who God is, his character. And, and likewise, even though you won't find the words church membership anywhere in Scripture, um, you know, it's so important that, that the New Testament almost just takes it for granted, just treats it implicitly 
um, from the standpoint of, you know, expecting that this is something that uh, church communities will do um, forever and ever until Christ returns for his bride. So let's, let's, let me give you five or six reasons here. Um, well, three overarching reasons with subpoints under each for uh, why biblically I think we can make a case for membership. Uh, number one, the church has to know who she is. And that's, that's something that Deborah just pointed us to. And there's five reasons that I'll point to biblically that I think the church needs to know who she is. Number one, for oversight. Uh, we, we hear in Acts chapter 1, verse 15, and then again in chapter 2, verse 41, uh, as Dever said, we, we see the church taking records, keeping records of who's in and who's out. It's, uh, Acts one fifteen says a group numbering about 120. Uh, and then in chapter 2, about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And so we see the church keeping records of who the church is. They know who belongs, who's there. Um, and they do that, amongst other reasons, for purposes of caring, so they can care for one another. Acts chapter 2 says, All who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Well, they can't just do that with you know, everyone in Jerusalem. They have to know who, who belongs, who they're sharing with, who they're um, sh- sharing these things in common with. Um, and, and even though... In their day and age, uh, you know, it's, a, a, again, totally different cultural context 2,000 years ago where, um, uh, you know, you, you, wouldn't have, you wouldn't have joined that community lightly um, because it was literally to, to take your life in your own hand, put your life at risk to be identified with uh, these, these Christians in the first century. And yet, uh, to do so was... A significant, a weighty thing, whether or not they had a formal process of membership or not, they knew who they were responsible to, uh, who was responsible for, to one another. Um, number th- number three, a church has to know who she is for proper functioning. Already kind of looked at First Corinthians twelve, just as the body has many members, all the me- members are uh, of the same body. Uh, so too it is with Christ, and so um, Paul tells us. The body does not consist of one member, but many. Now you're all members of the body of Christ and individually members of it. And, and so um, we need to know who, who belongs, for instance, here at West Hills, so that we can uh, more effectively be able to, to ensure the proper functioning of the body. You know, identify what are, what are your gifts, what are your strengths, um, where can we utilize you and, and, and your spiritual gifts in the proper functioning of uh, our local church here at West Hills. Uh, number four, church has to know who she is for making judgments. And so in Matthew 16, in one of only two places in all of the Gospels where Jesus specifically uses the word church, ecclesia, um, he, he affirms Peter based on his profession of faith. Peter, on, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. There's this specific kind of authority. We could debate what it is, but Jesus gives a specific kind of authority to Peter here, speaking on behalf of sort of the church. 
the figurehead of the church, whether you want to call him the first pope or just a pastor or whatever. Um, Jesus gives a specific kind of authority bind, to bind and loose to the community, to, to, ch- to the church. Um, and, he, and certainly one uh, example of that would be in case, cases of discipline, as Dever pointed us to. 1 Corinthians 5.13, expel the wicked person from among you. Matthew 18.17, uh, the other place where Jesus uses the word church. If a brother refuses to listen to you, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Well, if, if we're going to enact church discipline and if we're going to reprove uh, a brother who's living in sin and obstinate, unrepentant sin, you know, and I'm supposed to tell that sin then to the, to the church and have the church go and confront him about it, I have to know who the church is, who I'm supposed to tell. Otherwise, I'm just gossiping. I, I can't just take out a, you know, a full-page ad in the St. Louis Dispatch or whatever and post his sin for the entire city to know. I, I need to know the distinct group of people who I'm supposed to deliver this brother over to, according to 1 Corinthians 5, for expel, uh, expulsion. And uh, that sort of segues into our, our second and third overarching reasons for membership, which is Christian leaders are responsible for specific sheep. So, um, and, and likewise, the third reason, Christians are responsible then for submitting to specific church leaders. And so four really weighty passages here. Let me just read them all together and then summarize. First Peter 5, 2 um, Peter commands us to be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. There's a specific flock that I'm supposed to care for as a, as a pastor. Acts 20, 28, keep watch over yourselves and over all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. That's not just some indistinct, uh, intangible, conceptual, capital C church. I mean, I can't pastor and oversee all Christians everywhere over all time, I'm specific for specific group of sheep, and I need to know who they are. Likewise, Hebrews 13, 17 commands the sheep to obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Uh, 1 Timothy 5, 17, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of a double honor. And so if you're, uh, if you're, a sheep in this flock and you're supposed to take care of your pastors and um and they're worthy of a double honor you need to know who you're supposed to be supporting with your your volunteering with your prayers with your financial giving um and so there's a again a responsibility on a micro level that happens in a personal relational way uh between a local church and 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 its leaders and that flock that body um that is just impossible to do devoid of some sort of explicit understanding of who's in and who's out. And so um, I, I told the people in the membership class, if you don't do it for any other reason, church membership, do it for my sake because I take that passage, Hebrews 13, 17, really seriously. I'm keeping watch over your souls as your pastor, as one who will have to give an account. So one day I'm going to stand before the Lord um, and he, he's got a list of the souls uh, for whom I was responsible as a pastor for shepherding, for overseeing. And it matters to me who's on that list and who's not. And so I'll just be very upfront with the people of West Hills and say, um, if you're a member, 
there's a different level of responsibility both for you to take care of this flock. Uh, our problems become your problem. When you join the church family at West Hills, you know, our budget shortfall becomes your budget shortfall. Um, our our uh, spiritual issues that we're dealing with that we need to, to grow by God's grace and be discipled and sanctified in, they become your issues. Um, there's an iron sharpening iron thing that you're responsible now for, for praying and, and supporting and the other one another's of scripture that Dever pointed to. Um, and, and likewise, f- for us as church leaders, uh, we become responsible for you too in a different kind of way. Um, I believe that I, I won't give account for the person who, you know, no matter how casually or faithfully you attend West Hills, um, if you have not explicitly signed on to a covenant kind of relationship and said, yes, I want to officially join this church family and um, be, a, you know, adopted uh, into that church family, um, I believe that I will not give account to the Lord in quite the same kind of way. And that's where I want to end is with that analogy of adoption. You know, Polly and I are pursuing adoption right now. God willing, in two weeks, we'll be picking up uh, our new baby boy. Um, You know, that's a different kind of uh, explicit relationship, right, that we're entering into. We could have a child that uh, needed a home that found our home to be very hospitable and loved and felt appreciated and felt like a sense of belonging in our home and ate dinner with us every night. Um, and that's great. And we could love that, that, that child and, uh, feel committed. And it was kind of be understood, so to speak. That's a very different, it's a totally different ball game though. When we sign on the dotted line and make that official, um, and say, you are, you're now legally officially adopted into our family. Your problems are our problems. Our problems are your problems. Uh, you know, this family is part of your birthright now, um, as if you're our own child uh, biologically. And so it, it's a fundamentally different thing. And I just want to uh, end there and say, I think church membership is implicit biblically in Scripture, but it's really important, um, and God takes it uh, really seriously um, for for all of these reasons. And so if you're not a church member, I just want to leave it by saying, you know, we, we love you. We appreciate you. You are all always welcome at our dinner table. I, I hope that you feel like you belong at West Hills because you do. Um, but if you're at that point where you're on the fence and, and you're feeling maybe convicted and called to officially sign on the dotted line and make, make that relationship explicit, um, and, and uh, you know, the other analogy we could use is kind of a, a couple that's, that's living together and for all intents and purposes, you know, might as well be married. But there's something different that happens when a wedding occurs and you sign on, uh, on the dotted line of a, of a marriage contract, covenant. And so if you're feeling compelled, we would love, we would be honored to shepherd and and oversee your soul here at west hills and be responsible to you and let you be responsible to us and um and so i just want to encourage you to think and pray more about that so thanks for listening to our podcast today uh you can subscribe uh, to our podcast on whatever device you use apple Podcasts, soundcloud Uh, please like us leave us a good five-star review And uh, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.